0: All right, we're good to go. We have Jill here. Jill, why don't you get us started with some basic demographics about your family, some history to give our audience a context from where you're coming from.
1: All right. So my husband and I have been together, oh my gosh, it's almost eight years, married for seven, coming up. Um, We have two little boys right now. We both work full time right now on opposite shifts. So that's, you know, always fun to navigate. Um, I actually hold two positions. I have a small business that I own and I am also an early childhood teacher. So we are busy, busy, busy (laughs) to say the least. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, working opposite shifts. I cannot even imagine. I mean, we did that, my husband and I, when we were in college and that was awful. I can't even imagine having to do that with two children.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um, We have been on opposite shifts pretty much since we got married. Um, So going on seven years now and coming up in 2021, we will be both on the same day shift. So I'm so looking forward to that and having some more family time in the evenings with everyone all together. Mm-hmm. So I won't have to do, you know, all the <laughs> everything on my own in the evening. He won't have to do everything on his own in the mornings and we can kind of just tag team it. So I'm looking forward to that change of pace and just slowing down a little bit in 2021. hmm
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That'll be interesting to go over to the dynamics of, you know, your partner having to do everything in the morning and you rushing out the door for work, which brings a lot of emotions for women. And then vice versa, you being solo kind of at night, you know, in the evening. So yeah, we can talk about all of that. So let's stop. Let's talk first about your experience becoming pregnant and becoming a mom to your first. So what was that process like? How did you adjust
1: both to the pregnancy and then to also becoming a mom. So with our first pregnancy, it actually took us just about five years to have a successful pregnancy. Um, we tried for about a year, got pregnant. We had a miscarriage. Uh, so that was tough, hard to hard to kind of work through that for a while. Um, Try, kept continued trying for another year. Um, we weren't able to start any sort of infertility testing until a year had passed, just because we had previously been pregnant. Um, we had to wait like a full year to move forward with infertility treatment. Um, we luckily were able to uh, find out fairly quickly, you know, what we needed to do. And, um, we then, I think it took another nine months to get pregnant again. Um, and that time we were successful with the pregnancy, uh, of my first son, we had a fairly normal pregnancy. I would say I had a lot of morning sickness throughout, so that was tough It never really went away. Um. I don't miss that. (laughs) Um, And then by the end, we found out our baby was breech. So I tried a couple different things to try and get him to flip so that we could go through with a vaginal delivery. Um, That didn't work. So we planned for a scheduled C-section at that point and went in early one morning had a baby a couple hours later um and it it was perfect it went very well um i was very scared to have a c-section i wasn't necessarily wanting that at first um but once we learned that 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 was you know quickly becoming our last option um i liked that i had time to wrap my head around it and research and prepare a little bit for it. Um, And when all is said and done, I'm a very um, type A like planner type of person. So it was nice to know I'm gonna go to the hospital. This is gonna happen. I can prepare for it. I can educate myself and you know, I didn't have to go through labor and then end up in in surgery. Um, So that was very um, comforting for me and We had our son. Everything went well. We went home and lived life with a newborn for a while. Um, We didn't think that we would get pregnant so easily with our second son. Um, He came along fairly quickly. Uh, I think my first son was eight or nine months when we found out we were pregnant with my second son. I had only had one cycle between babies and we weren't really preventing anything from happening. Um, Number one, because I didn't feel we needed to because it took so long the first time to have a successful pregnancy. And number two, I felt ready at that point. I had just gotten my period back the month before and, you know, I didn't feel like like it would be the end of the world if we got pregnant. So I, we weren't preventing it. And lo and behold, we got pregnant right away with our second child. So um, my second pregnancy was very similar to the first. I was um, sick the first half of it, and then that got better. So that was the main difference. However... Um, We ended up being diagnosed with polyhydramnios around 29 weeks when um, my stomach was measuring a little bit further along than where we were supposed to be. So after a few weeks of it being um, measuring further along, we decided to do a growth scan just to see what was going on. And we found out that I was actually carrying quite a bit of extra amniotic fluid Uh, which was extremely uncomfortable. So basically for the remainder of my third trimester, I was always measuring about two to three weeks ahead. So by the time I was actually 39 weeks pregnant, um, we were measuring like 42 weeks with just one baby. So that was not not the most comfortable ending. Um, But then the cherry on top with that pregnancy was that my second son was also breech. Um, So considering we had a C-section with my first son, we just decided to schedule the C-section for my second son also. Um, We also knew that there was a chance that I would go into labor early because of the polyhydramnios. So, you know, kind of just paying attention to that and having that little added stress wasn't the easiest way to end things. We did make it to 39 weeks and we did have a relatively normal C-section delivery. Um, and we welcomed our second son and now we are busy, busy with two babies about two and under right now. hmm
0: yeah. I mean, I, you're bringing up so many things that, as you know, women have talked about on the podcast before. So difficulty getting pregnant, having to wait so, so long to finally be successful. Um, and then kind of these weird, you know, pregnancy complications at times. I've never even heard of that complication that you mentioned. So yeah, just little, little things here and there that I'm sure are very uncomfortable for you. And obviously having to wait and having gone through the miscarriage and lots of things. Um, So talk to me about kind of being a wife and a mom. You've talked to to me before, kind of outside of this podcast, just about balancing the rules, balancing, you know, your two work situations and all that. What has that been like for you trying to balance everything that you have going on?
1: Oh, well, I feel like that's probably the hardest thing for me right now. Um, and recently, like I said, we are on opposite schedules. So when I'm home, I'm in mom mode because, you know, my, my husband normally isn't. There's a couple days a week where we are home together at the same time. Um, but otherwise, we are ships passing in the night. So it's, it's hard solo parenting. Um, but that's basically what we're both doing when we're home, if we're not at work. Um, so I guess my role as a wife is, like I said, it's in passing here and there, you know, touching base with my husband via text um, and on the phone here and there. We try to FaceTime if we can with the boys um, and be together. We make sure that we make our family time when we are together a priority. So um, something that we do that's, I don't know if it's unique to our relationship or something other women can relate to, but we always make sure that we check in with the other one. If someone outside of our, you know, our little bubble wants to make plans like a sibling or um, a friend or family, want to do like a girl's night or something. We just check in with the other one to make sure it's okay. Uh, It's just for us like a form of, you know, respecting the time that we normally don't have together, making sure that it's a priority. And if, if we feel that, you know, we should have dinner on our own that night, instead of going out and about with friends, you know, we, we definitely want to make our relationship and our family a priority first. So we just have that like line of respect. And I, I feel like some people would think like, well, you need to get permission to do that. Well, It's just, it's a respect thing for us. So that's one thing we do that definitely helps our relationship stay strong, especially because, you know, I feel like we both have that understanding that when we do have time together as a family, um, because it is so few and far between, we both, you know, want to make it a priority, but also be respectful of what our partner needs. So um, that's something we make sure we do. And then I think, you know, sometimes I just need a break. If I've been with the boys five nights in a row on my own, my husband is very understanding and will let me go take a bubble bath for an hour on a night when he's home and he'll take the boys. So, um, and vice versa, we do that for each other. So I think kind of just outlining what we need when we need it and being respectful of the other person has definitely helped um, in our roles as a spouse and as a parent. Mm -hmm. I
0: really, I love that. And I totally hear you when you say like, oh yeah, other people think you need permission. But my husband and I are actually very similar. We're a little bubble and we love our little bubble. Like that, like between my husband, my son and I, like, we're all we really need and we're really secure in that. And when my husband and I both work in the daytime, but he works really, really late. He's also a therapist. And so he'll be working sometimes until six o'clock and our times on the weekends together and at night are really, really precious because we never get to be together as a family. So I hear you like when you actually do have those weekends or have those evenings, it's precious. You don't just do it and it's out of respect and it's also because like there's no one else in the world that I'd rather be with.
1: <laughs> um absolutely. That's exactly how we feel too and I feel like it's hard because you know not a lot of people outside of our bubble like totally get that. They don't know that you know, we only have these few precious hours each week together. And that's literally what it is. It's a few hours each week that Mm -hmm. all four of us are awake at the same time together. So we kind of, we, um, (laughs) we protect it as much as we can and we very much protect it.
0: Protect is a really good word. Um, I really, really love that. And I totally see where other moms are coming from too. I feel like I went to, I was going, I went through a stage where I feel like I needed way more time away and my husband was really great about giving that to me and vice versa. And we worked on it and it was never a permission thing. It was more for sure a respect thing, like you said. and now that we've both kind of settled into our roles a little bit and we both are a little bit more confident, we're a family and like, we don't need or want that time away from each other as much as we wanted it and needed it before. So I, I like that perspective. I'm, I'm glad that we're including that in the podcast episode. And I also, I see where the other moms are coming from too. Like you need a break, you need time away. Like that's awesome. I totally understand where they're coming from too. There's yeah and You're right or
1: wrong for sure it all depends yeah. on- and I think it, it kind of just comes and goes with like different seasons of life you know like 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 I said if I've had five nights with the kids on my own and I'm just done with it I just need a break like my husband he gets that as long as I am like vocal about it like he sure. makes sure I have what I need and vice versa like as long as he's open with me about what his needs are you know we make sure that that's a priority too
0: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, and there's not, there's not too many little families. We need to get our families together. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, yeah. So talk to me, we, we ended with talking about how the introduction to your second son's kind of introduction to the world. Um, it went okay. And then I know he had a NICU stay. So what the heck happened there?
1: Yeah. So we, like I said, had a relatively normal surgery, C-section that went well. There were no complications. Uh, We stayed in the hospital, I think it was three days after his birth. Um, So he was born early on a Tuesday morning and we were released on Friday. We came home. We had been home maybe an hour or two. I had nursed him. Um, my other son was coming home. He was staying with my mom. So my mom was on her way, bringing him over to meet the baby. And we got home. I had nursed him, walked downstairs and you know we're, we're saying hello, greeting our, our older son and kind of reintroducing him to the baby. And all of a sudden, my baby started turning blue um, around his mouth. So my mom's a nurse, thank God. And she was holding him and she said, she <laughs> said, I see that he's starting to turn blue around his mouth. That's not normal. I think you should go back to the hospital. So we had only been home about an hour or two. And we uh, turned right around and headed back to the hospital. Um, on the way, like I'm trying to stay calm, trying not to freak out. I'm sitting in the back seat while he's in his car seat. And I can't tell if he's breathing or not. I mean, he's, I don't know, eight pounds and very small in that car seat. And I couldn't tell. His coloring wasn't good. He was kind of blue and splotchy. I didn't know what was going on. So I said to my husband, we just, we need to call an ambulance and meet an ambulance on the way there because he at least... You know, needs to be on oxygen or something because this isn't right. So we ended up meeting an ambulance in a parking lot and drove the rest of the way to the hospital there. Um, so here I am like running from this parking lot to an ambulance. My husband has the baby. I'm like just having had major surgery three days before. Um, my milk had just come in that morning. It was, it was a mess. I'm trying not to freak out. I'm crying, <laughs> bawling in the ambulance. My husband um, also is doing much of the same, <laughs> and he's a pretty even-keeled guy most of the time, so seeing him in that state didn't help me either, um, and I'm shaking as I talk about this because it was, it was very traumatic. Um, so we get in the ambulance we get to the hospital uh the NICU I don't know if they were I don't think they were the nurses I think it was maybe the NPs who uh, were there met us right down in the emergency room area um, and they took him up to the NICU right away and started doing some different testing it's all kind of a blur to me They did so many tests over the course of a few days. Um, That Friday night, it was probably 10, 11 o'clock. We're in the hallway of the the NICU area and they gave us a room to stay in. Um, So here I was having to leave my three or four day old baby who I still don't know what's wrong with him. Um, He's lethargic. He's not very responsive. um, Not like like he was the previous three days of his life. Um, So we ended up going back to our room and just trying to kind of comprehend everything that had happened in the past six hours or so. Um, And it was just, it was just a feeling of uncertainty, not knowing if when I returned to my child, if he would be alive or not, um we still didn't have any answers. I didn't know what was what was happening. We didn't know why he turned blue. we didn't know what was going on. Um, he was hooked up to all these machines he had been poked so many times they couldn't find veins um, you know it was it was it was traumatic um and seeing him in that state was. It's something I don't think I will ever forget or get over. Um, so <laughs> they continued doing tests because anything you know they had been doing hadn't really been giving us answers. Um, there was a day, a couple we had been there a couple days, and uh, he was having some oxygen desaturations. Uh, he wasn't you know breathing on his own totally without needing to be um, startled. So that kind of extended our stay a little more, which you know we were we were fine with that decision because we didn't want to take him home not knowing what the cause was or why that had happened or if it was going to happen again or not. Um, so they extended our stay at least another three days. At that point, uh, continued running more tests. Eventually, they decided to do an MRI. And after we got those results back, we found out that he had um, an ischemic infarct, which in layman's terms is a stroke. So my baby had a stroke at four days old. Um, And, you know, he slowly but surely got back to his normal self, Um, didn't have any more O2 desaturations. Uh, We were also led to believe by the doctors that it probably wouldn't happen again. Um, We needed to do some follow-up, obviously, with other practitioners after that. So we did all of that. And then just recently, um, he had another MRI to make sure that there was no additional damage. um, And basically since then he has been normal um, in all in meeting all milestones in his development, um, and then his latest MRI came back normal as well and his most recent blood work also came back normal. So um, that chapter very recently has closed um, you know, seven months after the fact. so it had been an extremely stressful seven months. Um, you know, of worrying, of wondering, was this going to be a thing we were going to have to deal with the rest of our lives with him? Or is it just, you know, this one thing, one-time thing that happened that we can kind of move past? Um, And luckily that is what it appears to be. So I'm slowly but surely getting to be in a better place, but um, definitely not anything I would wish upon any mother um to see her child that way or to go through anything like that so it was definitely a rough start for us with him
0: i'm so excited to share with you guys a planner that i've had for months now and now i have an absolutely incredible offer so that you can enjoy it with me i've tried yearly planners blank diaries and everything in between all the way from back when i was in high school Silk & Sonder is the perfect planner that I've been waiting for, for years. Silk & Sonder is a self-care monthly planner and journal subscription service, including monthly, weekly, and daily planning pages, plus activities that change each month and are targeted to help with your self-care. You'll get coloring pages, recipes, habit trackers, journaling prompts, and more. Silk & Sonder offers monthly, quarterly, annual, and gift subscriptions. It's the first ever monthly planning experience aimed to empower you to live the life that you've always wanted. Inspired by a new theme each month, they hand curate, design, and deliver each issue straight to your doorstep. You'll love each month's blend of productivity and planning, introspection and mindfulness, and lifestyle content. I've been using mine for months and I'll honestly never go back to a regular planner ever again. For 25% off your order, head to my website at jennaoverbod.com and click on deals. Yeah, oh my gosh. I, my heart is racing listening to this and it's breaking at the same time because... I'm trying to envision it myself and I can't even imagine it seems like it happened so suddenly and out of nowhere and this is not ever something that people kind of prepare themselves for especially when everything else has been so healthy up to that point and that's crazy and I'm so glad that he ended up being okay and that everything came back supposedly normal. Um, but I also can imagine that that's also very difficult for you to wrap your head around, not knowing why or having any explanations as to why. So like, I'm, I'm honored that I even got the space to kind of have you air that out. And thank you so much for sharing because I'm sure so many women will be able to resonate and know that they're not alone. What did that do to your mental health, returning home at that point? It's already difficult having a newborn, let alone a, a also now a little bit of an older child, you know, eight months older. Um, so what? Yeah, like
1: a year and a half, I guess, but <laughs> that's the loaded question, tough. right? Uh, so um, basically, we came home from the hospital a second time, and just started things over. Um, my, my son did much better. Uh, we didn't really have any other any major concerns. He didn't have any other, um, episodes per se. However, I was not in a good place. Um, I was still recovering from major abdominal surgery, uh, the aches and pains of, you know, just newly having a baby, uh, your milk coming in, all that jazz, trying to nurse, um, and also take care of my seventeen-month-old. Um, it was a lot, and I woke up one morning um, in a in a sweat. Like I feel like <laughs> there were so many nights I was in a feverish sweat, just trying. I feel like my body was just trying to get rid of the stress of everything from that had happened in the past week or so, um, and I. I told my husband, I said, I need to go see our doctor. I'm not doing well. I was bawling. Um, I just, I wasn't in a good place. Um, and so I went and talked to Or I was, I remember talking on the phone with a nurse to schedule it. And I was like, I think I need to see my doctor. And she's like, okay, well, why don't you tell me what's going on? And I just broke down. She's like, yeah, honey, you need to get in here. <laughs> so, you know, it's normal that they do the six week six-week appointment postpartum, Um, but I literally went, like, after, I think it was 10 or 14 days. Um, It was basically as soon as we had gotten home from our NICU stay. um, I went in and and had to be seen because I just, I was not in a good place. I was in a lot of pain. I was having these fevers, these sweats, and then to top it all off, like, I just couldn't handle my emotions, Um, and, you know, looking back, I feel like it was warranted, to have those kinds of breakdowns. It was definitely warranted, you know, saying it out loud and reliving it, it's, that's a lot. So um, I had no shame about it. I went in, I was a hot mess. Um, my doctor started me on a low dose of an antidepressant um, and I'm still currently taking it. It has helped me immensely. Um, I actually did have to up it at 1.2 in the last couple months. And I, I feel like I'm back on track now. Um, But, you know, we went through something traumatic and I feel like my brain needs to heal from that too. And we're working to do that. Um, But it's been, it's been kind of a a bumpy road to get there.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you were able to you know get whatever it needed for you so that you could get on the phone i'll never forget the the phone call that i made i know that that's just such an emotional decision to have to make but when you when you're ready you make it and you know that like it's go time i i cannot wait any longer um so yeah i'm so glad that you were able to get the help that you needed that's wonderful and yeah i'm i'm glad that you're having the experience of like hearing yourself relive this and tell it of course it makes sense that you felt that way in the moment. I, I mean, your adrenaline was going nuts and your your mom, your mom brain was just doing everything that it possibly could to keep this baby alive, running, even though you just had abdominal surgery. Like I'm sure like your body was just in this crazy fight or flight mode. Not to mention afterwards, like our minds kinda kind of wrap our mind our minds can wrap around the fact that, like, okay, something he's okay. I got the notice from the doctor that this is okay, at least for right now, we've done everything that we can do, but your body doesn't know that right away, right? Like your body has one function, which is to keep you alive until you become a mom. Then your function is to keep your babies alive. And when that becomes threatened, that's traumatic. And so you absolutely went through something traumatic and... Even though you may logically be able to say, well, yeah, this is what's going on. My mind says this thing, like your body is still going to feel a completely different way. And it seemed like that manifested in the form of sweats and fevers and heart racing. What were some other I guess, indicators that let you know whether it was in your body or just day to day that you know that you needed to go and get help in case any other mom out there is experiencing something similar. Like what were the signals that you were like, okay, I can't, I can't do this anymore without getting some help.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So after I had my first son, I had, I had relatively bad postpartum anxiety. So I knew what that felt like. Um, and then after this all happened with my second son, it was anxiety, but on a whole new level. Um, I just, I couldn't control my emotions. I, I was crying constantly. Um, I was worried constantly that something else was going to happen to either of my boys. Um, that, the other thing was that you know my husband had taken a few extra weeks off after this but um, I was starting to worry about being home alone with the boys when he had to go back to work and having another emergency situation what would I do if that were to happen and I was home alone Um, so that was you know a big fear of mine and just just the constant worry um, was always just like this huge weight that I just I just constantly felt like I was drowning um, and not being able to control my emotions. Those were the big, big, big indicators for me that I needed something more. Um, so medication and therapy <laughs> were it for me.
0: Yeah. That's so wonderful. I'm so, so glad that you're able to get it sooner rather than later. Like you said, it was 10 or 14 days. And I just know so many women I waited a year and a half like it's it's crazy I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you did that and you made that decision for yourself so that's wonderful so talk to us a little bit more about where you guys are at right now I know that you gave us some good updates as far as the MRIs and everything go but talk to us about your mental health talk to us about kind of how you guys have been as a family unit and specifically you as you make all these transitions where have you guys where how is it going right now
1: yeah, so I'd say currently we are in a good place, better than where we were at even just a month ago. Um, you know, it was basically the week we had gotten home from this the hospital the second time that the <laughs> shutdown happened due to COVID. So we have been living in our bubble basically since then. Um... While attending very (laughs) a lot of um, healthcare appointments for my youngest son in particular, but also all the well checks for my older son because he's still at that age where you know he's needing to be seen every few months as well. Um, So, in and out with appointments, we did just recently in the last month have uh, that. Final, what I was hoping and what I am continuing to hope was our final meeting with a neurologist that, yes, his most recent blood work and MRI came back normal. We don't foresee that this would happen again. So that has been a huge weight lifted. Um, so I feel like those things kind of all together helped. Um just helped me a little bit. However, like getting to that point, I was up and down for a while. Um, My anxiety, my worrying was, was rough for a while. And there were some points where I had some very depressive weeks, I would say. Um, And I hadn't ever experienced that, you know, with my first son either. I mean, just having this overwhelming feeling of, of sadness or of almost like an, a relieving sadness at one point. And that's probably not the best way to describe it, but that's really the only way I can think about it. I mean, I was home alone with my boys one day and we had, we had a good day. And I just remember after they were in bed that night, I was just kind of thinking about our day and the thought that came into my mind was today was a good day. If I if I died today, my boys would 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 have had a good day with me on my last day. Like that was my thought, and you know I had never had kind of morbid thoughts like that. Um, and not that I I felt like I wanted to harm myself in any way, but just that that thought came out of nowhere and surprised me, and I just felt just kind of defeated. Like if, if I died today, they would have, they would have good memories of me. It would have been a good day, you know, like, so that was kind of my low, that was my low and it took me, it took me a while to get out of that. Yeah.
0: It can be so dark. And I mean, postpartum depression is often talked about postpartum anxiety, I think is being talked about more, um, I think for, for a lot of women, they go together because, you know, you become, I, I think the trajectory for a lot of women is you become so anxious, you become so anxious, you're living in that constant anxiety. And as a result of that, obviously the sadness pours in and the morbidity pours in and it's, it's, it's hard. It's just, it turns really, really dark. Um, I remember expressing to my husband and to my therapist when I was at my lowest, it felt like I was just, there was this constant dark gray cloud over everything. Like there was no positive way of evaluating anything. Like the best a good day could be was like you said, like it was a good day. And if that was the last day that they remember of me, then that's, it's the last day that they remember of me. Like that's what a good day is and it's just all very dark and cloudy, and uh, I'm sad that you had to go through that, and I'm glad also that it seems like you're coming out of it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, I had those moments where I would have thoughts like that, and I remember um, calling to try and get in with my doctor again, um, just to talk to her about it and see if there was anything more I could or should be doing. Um, from a medical standpoint, and she had, she wasn't available to meet um, immediately. She was doing a C-section, so, um, or an emergency C-section, so she had me on the phone with the nurse, and they did, like, some more screenings for me, and decided to up my medicine at that point, Um, so they doubled my dosage, and that seemed to help, so you know, I feel like back at that point, it was just like you said, like there's this this gray cloud just kind of hovering and hanging. And the way that I can best describe it is probably like I couldn't think straight. I couldn't put thoughts to my, I couldn't put words to my thoughts. Um, I just felt like I myself was jumbled, like my brain wasn't working Mm -hmm. Um, like it normally does. And that was like another indicator to me. Like I wasn't remembering things like I normally do. It was like, I would have short-term memory loss. Um, And I finally feel like now I'm getting over that too. So we're in a much better place now.
0: Good. Yeah. I know it's hard for women too. Like when you're in the thick of it, it's, it's hard to kind of divvy up like, well, is this just mo- motherhood? Like, is this just how it's supposed to be? Like, where's the ceiling here? Like, can I really expect for it to get much better? Or am I just, you know, maybe it'll go away? And it's like, no, motherhood is not supposed to be like that. <laughs> like, right. it is not supposed to, you're not supposed to have lost yourself like that. You're not supposed to have these morbid thoughts and, the help is out there. It is so readily available. And I, yeah, I just, I hope that my hope with women hearing stories like this is that they don't wait until it's a crisis situation that they do what you did, which is like first sign that they need it. And they, they pick up the phone and they call. Um, and I'm glad that your experience with that was positive too. Like you had someone on the other end who was like, Oh yes, yes, yes. You need to come in. You need to come in. Um, Yeah. So hopefully that helps women with any hesitancy that they have as well. Um, So leading into kind of the end questions here to wrap everything up, I'm curious if you could at any point um, go back, what would you, what do you wish you knew back then at any point?
1: Mm, That's a tough question. (laughs) I guess it it would kind of have to go back to Knowing that there are seasons of life, some are easy and wonderful and amazing and others are, are not, they can be dark and dreary and overwhelming, um, but also know that there's help out there and don't be afraid to go looking for it or to ask for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. That's such great, ad- such great advice. And yes, I echo that for sure. I wish I also knew that. Um, so maybe related, but maybe you have something else in mind too. What would you tell yourself back then if you could?
1: Um, I think I would say, just, you know, keep moving forward, keep doing what you have to do to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your, your ch- children. And don't give up on it. It's not always going to be an easy road, but it is always going to be worth it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. What else do you think is important for other moms to know?
1: Uh, I think that also goes back to not being afraid to look for help if you feel like you need it. You know, some. Some women feel the need to do it all, and it's okay if <laughs> your mother in- law comes and does your laundry for you. It's okay if you know you you buy Costco meals for the next week. Um, just anything that can make it just a little bit easier until you get to that next season. Um, And don't be afraid to ask for help if and when you need it, because it's out there. People often want to help, but they don't know how. And until you vocalize what you need, you're not going to get it. So be an advocate for yourself so that you can take care of your family.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I, I wish I also knew that earlier on, too. I remember... When it was my time to, I had already kind of made my phone calls and I was starting therapy and I started medications. Like I was all in, I was like, I'm, I'm sick of living this way. Like I'm going to invest in myself. And I started taking so seriously, like, what do I need to do to feel good? Like whatever it takes to feel good. And like you said, any little thing here and there, like these little things added up and they had really great incremental effects on my mental health. Like I remember... My husband got me for Christmas one year related to all of this, like with the intention of just making me feel a little bit better, a little bit better. He got me a robot vacuum, like, Mm -hmm. because it was just like, it was one less thing that I had to stress about, which was like cleaning the crumbs off the floor and the dog bones and the fur and like, like these little small things. Like do, I guess my advice related to that would be like, do whatever you can to make yourself feel even just a little bit better. Like any, any little thing that you can do to make yourself feel better, whether it's yes, asking someone to come and help you out with your laundry. If you have that available, uh, like little things here and there, um, yeah, little things here and there that can make you feel better and just take a little bit of a load off can add up and have these really great incremental effects.
1: Yeah, that's it exactly. Anything that just removes it from your plate, just so you don't have to worry or think about it, it can make a huge difference.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, making it your full-time job, honestly, because we learned way too late in the game that like you can't fill from an empty cup, right? So like if I'm a little bit less stressed out about this, this, and this, I can give back to everybody else in such more productive ways. That's Absolutely. Great. So last question. Why do you think it's important to do and go through hard things?
1: I think the hard things definitely help you appreciate everything else. And I feel that having an appreciation and gratitude for those things is like the first step in healing and getting better. Um, So I feel like. I don't want to I don't want to say like, and it's cliche, like everything happens for a reason. However, if you can find the positive from those negatives. um, You know, you're on your way to to doing better and overcoming and, you know, being a better person, um, potentially using those hard things to help others.